Good evening, ghouls and fiends, and welcome once again to the Ministry of Horror. I'm your host, Tez, and uh, it's a glorious Tuesday over here in the Shaftesbury Way. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you've had a good start to the week so far. Uh, Tuesday's not quite hump day. It's one of the kind of, I suppose, like, you know, everyone hates Mondays and Tuesday. You're still not quite the weekend. But we're not Monday anymore. We're moving ahead. Um, before we get started, I did a little mention um, on yesterday's impromptu gaming stream, which, apologies, didn't last long. I bought the game during the day, during my lunch break. Uh, tested to make sure that it actually work on my PC. It worked fine. <laughs> but the control scheme, um, yeah, my patience ran thin very quickly. It does seem like it's simple enough to hook up a Xbox controller to the PC and, and play that way. Maybe I'll give that a try. I do prefer console gaming. Um, so maybe future streams will be just from my living room. Because I don't really want to move my consoles to the PC and do all the proper setup. I digress. But what I mentioned yesterday, I just want to kind of give a thanks to all the all the positive feedback that, you know, the Ministry of Horror has received so far. Um, and also, uh, you know, for the 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 nice words that i've received from appearing on ministry of slam on sundays the last couple of weeks to help lawrence out um yeah it's just really nice to hear and you know hope you're still enjoying the show you know lawrence is doing a lot of work now um i just turn up and turn the camera on <laughs> that's a, that's about my input um but yeah it's a, a a testing time but you know hope everyone's still enjoying it that's the main thing uh, good evening, Gruff. Um, yeah, nice hearing from you, Sunday on Ministry of Slam. Good, uh, good to chat. We're gonna dive straight into it now. Apologies if I start sounding a bit bunged up. I, I can't think where I got it, but at some point I've got some form of cold. Pretty sure it's not COVID. It's just, uh, just sort of a, a cold. Um, so apologies if I sound more bunged up. But um, I digress. Let's jump into the latest horror news. So this comes from, as per usual, bloody disgusting, um, eight new horror movies that are releasing this Friday the 13th. It's, you're going to have a day to release a horror film, it's going to be that day, isn't it? It's got to be. Uh, so the week kicks off today with uh, releases of indie horror films, Shepherd and Dark Knight of the Scarecrow 2. Um, but we've also got Friday's massive, uh, massive new slate to come. So, first up, there is uh, a new zombie movie called The Sadness. Uh, good evening, Veracles. Um, it's actually going to be available exclusively on Shudder beginning this Thursday. It's uh, Rob Jabba's feature debut. It centers on a young couple played by Regina Lee and Berant Zhu trying to reunite amid a city ravaged by a plague that turns its victims into deranged, bloodthirsty sadists. Uh, Siu Chiang Wang from It's Drizzling and In Ru Chen also star. Uh, da, 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 there's been a four star review um, from Megan. I don't know if that's a site or an individual. I guess that's the, that's probably by disgusting Sir writer. Uh, Jabez keeps a death grip on the pulse of the current climate, delivering a rage-filled manifesto that aims to tick off every cinematic taboo possible and test your gag reflex in the process. It's transgressive horror of the highest, most aggressive order. And even the trailer is age-restricted um, on the bloody disgusting site, so I'm just going to chuck that in chat. Check it out if you will. Um... 
what have we got next up now this was uh, actually mentioned in the the discord if you haven't already check out discord ministry dash of dash horror um coming out friday the 13th christina ritchie returns to the horror genre in monstrous which is headed to theaters and on demand on may 13th via screen media uh, Richie top lines the horror movie Monstrous, which marks the return of the lost, all cheerleaders die, and I know who killed me. Director Chris uh, Siverston. I don't think I've seen. I know who killed me, but wasn't that a dodgy Lindsay Lohan thriller from a few years back? Um, ah, hey Lee. Yes, how's it going, man? All, all is good. I um, hope you're well. I um, hope everything's uh, everything's cool with you, mate. Nice, um, yeah, nice to nice to see you in chat form. Um, in the film Monstrous, Laura, played by Christina Ritchie, traumatized by an abusive relationship, finally runs away from her former husband with her seven-year-old son Cody. But in their new idyllic and remote sanctuary, they find they have another bigger and more terrifying monster to deal with, one that will test both their mental health issues to the limit. Um, now I saw the trailer. It does look pretty good, and Christina Ritchie is excellent. So that's you know that is something worth keeping an eye out for. Uh, certainly will be coming to theaters as well as Peacock streaming service this Friday. The latest Stephen King re-adaptation is Firestarter, directed by Keith Thomas, who directed the uh, the Vigil, which is a uh, it's on Netflix. It's it's pretty good. The Vigil. Uh, truth be told, I'm a big Stephen King fan. I've never read Firestarter or seen the uh, original adaptation, um, which had Drew Barrymore in it, I believe. Uh, in Firestarter, a young girl develops pyrokinetic abilities and is abducted by a secret government agency that wants to harness her powerful gift as a weapon. Oh, and by the way, the Firestarter score is composed by the legendary John Carpenter um, and his fellow Halloween franchise composers Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies. This is especially cool considering Carpenter was originally going to direct the 1980s version of Firestarter, but ultimately departed the project. Uh, Ryan Kira Armstrong from It Chapter 2, um, an American horror story, is playing Charlie in the new Stephen King remake with Zac Efron co-starring as Charlie's father. Um, yeah, the trailer looks decent. It looks decent for it. Again, um, I don't really know the story that well. I'm not really too tied to the 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 novel or film so i'll give it a watch with an open mind um when it is available free or if it's a, if there's a cheap rental you know not a full priced one I'll, I'll wait uh next up writer director eskil Vokes coming of age horror drama the innocents showcases the darker side of superpowers and youth in theaters and on vod this friday uh may the 13th the plot for the IFC Midnight Horror Movie follows four young children who become friends during the summer holidays. Out of sight of the adults, they discover they have hidden powers. Uh, while exploring their newfound abilities in the nearby forests and playgrounds, their innocent play takes a dark turn and strange things begin to happen. Uh, it's the second feature from Vote, who also is the writing partner of um, Yo, Yo Chim Tria, both of whom are now Academy Award nominated for The Worst Person in the World, and previously collaborated on supernatural thriller Thelma. Uh, the film stars uh, Raquel Flotum, Alva Ramstead, Ramstad, sorry, uh, Ishmael Ashraf, Mina Ashim, and Eileen Dorrit Peterson. Uh, I've not seen the trailer for it. I've only seen, uh, seen this news a minute ago, but sounds like it could be interesting. 
Uh, we're also getting Shark Bait. Uh, a new Shark Attack movie is uh, is coming this weekend. Shark Bait is directed by James Nunn of Tower Block. Uh, a group of spring breakers are enjoying the trip of a lifetime on the sandy beaches of Mexico. As the sun rises after a night of partying, they steal a couple of jet skis and race out to sea. But bra- bra- uh, what? But bravado and bad decisions lead to a terrifying accident. Stranded miles from shore, the true horror begins when the group realises they've drifted into shark-infested waters. Uh, with no way back and one friend badly bleeding, the group must quickly figure out how to survive the predator lurking in the waters below. Holly Earl, Jack Truman, Catherine Amy Hannay, uh, Malachi Pula Lackman, and Thomas Michael Flynn, uh, yeah, I've heard of them, uh, star in Shark Bait, which is formally titled Jet Ski. Uh, shark Attack films. Uh, we'll get to this a bit later on with one of my reviews. It's not Shark Bait, it's not a Shark Attack film, but it's a particular subgenre of horror where really there's normally only one maybe two standouts and the rest are all kind of pale imitations obviously for shark bait i'm talking uh jaws um i've seen a few shark attack films and they've gone from you know being okay to quite poor uh so who knows who knows with this one uh the trailer is in the link in the chat shark attack films don't really interest me that much but I don't know. I mean, I didn't really think Piranha films did, and then Piranha, <laughs> Piranha 3D came out, and that's that's great fun. Um, from Girls and Corpse's Crappy World Films, winner of seven international film festivals, and distributed by 123 Go Films, Nightcrawler starts streaming on various VOD channels on Friday. Uh, Fran the Cannon, Deep Blue Sea. Um, yeah, I've seen it once many years ago. Uh, I haven't had any interest in watching it again. I remember it being fun. Um, but I mean, that was slap bang in the era of awful CGI. So maybe I need to give it another watch. I probably won't. Um, <laughs> written and directed by Chad Ferrin, uh, who did The Deep Ones, Exorcism at 60,000 Feet. Uh, I haven't heard of either of those, but he seems to like water. Uh, the film stars several notable names, including Steve Railsback, Bailing. Law Temple, Susan Priver, Robert Miano, Sylvia Spross, Kelly Morane, James McPherson, and Robert Ryan. I maybe have heard of Steel You've Rails back out of that lot of notable names. Um, in Nightcaller, a telephone psychic is pulled into a complex web of mystery when she receives a call from a serial killer. That's all we've got. Um, yeah, probably won't watch it. Um, the kids aren't okay next up in sebastian godwin's domestic thriller homebound brainstorm media is releasing the film in select theaters and on demand this friday a lot of films coming out friday the 13th funny that uh homebound follows holly played by ailing aisling loftus a young woman who travels with her new husband played by tom goodmorn uh, goodman hill to meet his estranged family only to find his ex-wife is missing and the children behaving in strange ways um, it's been reviewed on uh, Bloody Disgusting as is it's a slight but tension-filled domestic thriller. Oh, I like a thriller. So, yeah, uh, again, if it's on a free platform like Prime or Netflix, then sure, 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 I'll give it a watch. Two things I loved about Piranha. 
Kelly Brook. Um, I loved four things, Lee, about Piranha. Uh, Kelly Brook and esteemed actress with Kelly Brook in that scene, uh, Gianna Michaels. Uh, probably don't Google that name <laughs> unless you're already, you already recognize it. Anyway, moving on very swiftly. So finally, now this has been a talking point um, uh, on, the, on the channel. This Friday, The Evil Dead, or Evil Dead, the game, is finally being released, um, allowing you to spend the entire Friday the 13th weekend blasting away deadites with Ash Williams and his fellow survivors from the various films and television series. Um, additionally, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards return to Shudder this Sunday night. Um, <laughs> sorry, Paul, Paul Barrow. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm totally clueless as to who she is. I'm not. <laughs> I'm assuming you're not as well. Um, yeah, so the Evil Dead game, it does look really good, but I don't know. I I do easily get suckered onto hype trains. Um, from incognito surge activated. Yes, Matt Wyatt. Uh, <laughs> um, I may inadvertently be distracting um, half the uh, the stream audience with uh, with Google and that actress's name. Don't blame you. Um, yeah, so this game, I will see what the price is. If it is a reasonable price for a game that I'm genuinely probably not going to play very much of, if at all, if it's 25, 30 quid, maybe. Maybe. Um, but then again, I've got Friday the 13th, the game. I've got Dead by Daylight. They've been fun on the brief couple of times I've played them, but I don't have that network of gaming friends or horror gaming friends uh, to play it with. So you're just playing it with randoms, um, which, you know, can can be fine. Um it doesn't it just doesn't really interest me i'd you know like resident evil the village had a great time playing that um it's a good single player game you know you've got some puzzles you've got a good narrative good action um sparically it's 35 for the game i'd love to do some multiplayer on it um 35 i will probably keep an eye and see when it appears in the sale because Dead by Daylight, for example, is always on sale. By the time that I actually built up the courage to to play it, and thought, oh, you know what, they've now got uh, Leatherface in it. They've now they've had Michael Myers. They're bringing in Pinhead. Screw it, I'm going to go for it. And then, typically, when I look, it's not on sale. It's twenty five quid though, which is still it's not bad, and that had some DLC with it. So I buy it. What literally a day later? Literally a day later. It's uh, 50% off. It's £12.50. So I'm just, oh, for God's sake. So Evil Dead, £35 isn't bad in this day and age for a video game. But with it being just multiplayer, I will wait till it's on sale. Um, even then, I don't know, my interest, my interest isn't really there in multiplayer gaming, I'll be honest. But we'll see. I'll look at what the reviews are like. Like I say, I very easily get suckered into the hype train. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say never say never. So let's move on to our next bit of news. Now, for fans of uh, body horror, think Videodrome, think uh, The Fly, David Cronenberg is returning to the world of, uh, of horror, specifically body horror, um, with Crimes of the Future. Uh, there is a full trailer. Again, I haven't watched this yet. I had to quickly walk my dog. Um, 
Oh, let's just see what's happening in the chat. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Barclays. Uh, Matt Watt, I'm unashamedly very aware of her work. I mean, she's a talented actress in Piranha 3D. That's all we'll say. Um, yeah, Village was brilliant. Loved it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game. The graph, I thought, is the perfect length as well. Uh, Resident Evil 3, the remake, was good fun, good action game. Some good sketchy moments, but it was very short. Um, and Resident Evil 2, I mean, I played that game to death, the original, the PS2. So while I liked the, the updating of it, I was very familiar with it. The Village, yeah, really good, really good game. Um, yeah, that's the problem. Um, as we sort of talked... Um, uh, Bericles makes a good point. My worry is that everyone else knows everything about it if I wait. That is the difficulty in this day and age, as we talked about previously with uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, that if you don't see a film within the first week, you're guaranteed to get it spoiled in some form of social media or YouTube. And yeah, there's a very good chance that within, you know, game comes out Friday, by Sunday, there'll be thumbnails that say... The ending of Evil Dead explained, even though it's a multiplayer game, doesn't have an ending, but maybe it'll be things like, what you need to do to unlock this. And surely it'd be so much cooler to not know that that's in the game and have it unlock. You know, you get my point. Um, so I agree there, but I just think with it being multiplayer based only, my interest isn't there so much that for me i wouldn't i don't necessarily mind too much which is a shame because i love the evil dead um saw the trailer a couple of days ago framican says i've no idea what's going on um yeah this is now the full trailer i've not checked out the full trailer this did come out a few days ago to be fair the the teaser i saw i thought hmm this looks very strange which is cool the cgi i don't know if I thought it was a little bit concerning, maybe. Um, but we'll get into this. Um, did I chuck? Yeah, I chucked the uh, the link in the chat. Um, Crimes of the Future. David Cronenberg returns to his body horror roots with new movie Crime of Crimes of the Future, which comes to theaters from Neon on June the third, before expanding wide to worldwide release on June tenth. Um, it presents a visionary blend of science fiction and body horror that can only be described as pure David Cronenberg. Uh, in the film, as the human race or human species adapts to a synthetic environment, the body undergoes new transformations and mutations. With his partner Caprice, played by Leah Sedu, Sol Tenson, played by Vigo Mortenison, a celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. Uh, Tim Lim, played by Kristen Stewart, an investigator from the National Organ Registry, obsessively tracks their movements, which is when a mysterious group is revealed, their mission to use Saul's notoriety to shed light on the next phase of human evolution. Does sound very interesting. Um, I will say, I haven't seen that many David Cronenberg films. I only saw Rabid uh, about three months back. Um, I've not seen many others other than the flying scanners really i think and maybe uh history of violence which is obviously his later non-horror career um this does seem interesting i if you haven't seen it his son um i was gonna say chad cronenberg but it's not chad cronenberg uh his son liberal cronenberg um oh shivers shivers i've seen fran um fran the cannon 
Uh, but his son did a film. I've, I've, I haven't seen Antiviral yet, but I recently had saw, uh, seen Possessor. Possessor is excellent. It's quite an uncomfortable watch at times, but it has this weird alternate near future type theme with the technology. The violence in it is really visceral. It feels very realistic. Um, and there's a there's a particular scene where someone is taking over another person from inside, and they're kind of wearing their own face as a mask. It's, it's very weird. But essentially what I'm saying is body horror and that weird sort of near-future alternate reality horror seems to run in the family. Um, and with me enjoying Possessor, I will definitely check out Crimes of the Future, but I need to... I do need to watch this full trailer because the teaser, I did think the CGI looked a bit meh. Um, Franakan says, Evil Dead is, Evil Dead game is less than 35 quid on Amazon on consoles for the physical edition. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have a look. I will, I will most likely pick it up on, uh, on sale, you know. I I don't mind too much about missing out on things on on that because of it being an online game. I imagine a lot of the stuff is going to be added in later on. Uh, what's your opinion on the fly? It still grosses me out in places. Makeup is freaky, but so good. Uh, the fly is excellent. The finale creeped me out as a kid um, when he's turned full fly and he just sicks up on that guy's uh, hand and leg and it just dissolves. Yeah, uncomfortable viewing, but it is excellent. And you know what? It's a schlocky sequel, but The the Fly 2, <laughs> that is actually really good. It's really over the top. doesn't make any sense, really, but that is actually really good. Uh, now we've got more Shark Attack news. Um, oh, Rocky Winner. Uh, what's up, everyone? Hey, hey, Rocky Winner 99. The teaser for Avatar. Can we just take a moment to applaud James Cameron? Not seen the new trailer for Avatar yet. I'll give it a, I'll give it a watch. Um... I wasn't a huge fan of the first Avatar, but I do love Aliens, Terminator, Terminator 2. So, you know, he can't really do any wrong in my book. But yeah, Avatar, I'll I'll check out the teaser. I'll check it out at some point. It's not a franchise that I've really been uh, keeping an eye on, I'll be honest. Um, so yeah, talking about Shark Attacks, there is a Shark Attack sequel to The Reef called The Reef Stalked, which swims to shudder this summer. Uh, Andrew Trauke's The Reef is one of the best shark attack horror movies ever made. Uh, which one was The Reef? Is that with Blake Lively? Sorry, I just need a quick swig of water. That might be the one with Blake Lively, which, to be fair, is decent. It's decent. Um, but to me, I've never really as we'll get to in one of the reviews, it's one of the sub-genres that I think you've got one excellent thing in the, the one that kind of started it all and nothing has really kind of encroached on that level. But um, the uh, the original The Reef is a simple tale of uh, friends stranded in shark-infested waters that's made all the more terrifying... Okay, this isn't the Blake Lively one. Um, all the more terrifying due to Trauke's insistence on using real sharks rather than animatronic or computer-generated ones. Holy shit. Uh, this summer, a brand new sequel titled The Reef Stalked is coming to Shudder. Uh, Shudder have acquired the North American rights to the sequel. It will be released in theatres, on demand VOD and streaming on Shudder July 29th this year. Uh, written and directed by Andrew Trauke uh, of Blackwater fame. It's a follow-up to his 2010 film, The Reef, 
Uh, and uh, The Reef Stalked stars Teresa Lian, Lian, uh, Anne Traug, Saskia Archer, uh, Kate Lister, and Tim Ross. In the sequel... My dog's just making weird sounds. In the sequel, um, Matt White, no, that was The Shallows. Yes, and Fran the Can. Yeah, you're right. The Shallows is what I'm thinking of. I've definitely not seen The Reef then. Um, in the sequel, Nick, in an effort to heal after witnessing his sister's horrific murder, travels to a tropical resort with her friends for a kayaking and diving adventure. Only hours into her expedition, the women are stalked and then attacked by a great white shark. To survive, they will need to band together and Nick will have to overcome his post-traumatic stress face her fears, and slay the monster. Um, I mean, I've not seen the first one. As we've maybe have established, I'm not really too fussed with shark films. Um, Yeah, so there's a sequel coming out to The Reef. If you enjoyed The Reef, good news, there's a sequel coming. <laughs> um, so next up, there's a first look at survival horror movie, Quicksand. Uh, it teases the shallows with sand and snakes. Now, we just literally talked about the shallows. What, who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? So, alt I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really full of uh, full of cold. It's really kicking my butt. Um, Altitude Film Sales will be presenting survival horror movie Quicksand to buyers in Cannes next week. And Deadline brings us the first look at the movies this morning. So this is, again, it's all this news from Bloody Disgusting, John Squires. Um, hit up the site. Uh, that's basically where I get all my reporting from. Uh, the, the film Quicksand has been compared to 127 Hours and The Shallows. Uh, it follows an American couple on the brink of divorce who travel to Colombia for a work conference. While on a hike through the rainforest, a storm causes them to become trapped in a pit of quicksand. Unable to move, it becomes a struggle for survival as they battle the elements of the jungle and a venomous snake in order to escape. Uh, Carolina Guaitan from Encanto and Alan Horco from Jack Ryan star in the film, uh, a US-Colombian co-production from Elemental Stories, 222 Pictures and Dawn's Light Movies. Andreas Beltran directed and it was written by Matt Pitts. Um, you know what? I do quite like these films where there is a small cast and it's against the elements, it's against nature. Uh, there's no trailer or such. No, there isn't a trailer on here, but it, I mean, that premise sounds kind of interesting. I may check that out. And then last up for the news, Motherland. Halle Berry to star in new thriller by High Tension director Alexandre Aya. Um, and I quite like some of his stuff, like the Hills of Eyes remake. I like some of it. I mean, I still need to rewatch the original. When I first watched the original, wasn't a big fan. But I had the same with The Hills Have Eyes. Watched it, gave it a second watch many years later. Thought it was brilliant. Um, but he also did Piranha 3D. God, it's all, it's all linked together, all the discussions. Uh, the next bit of news is going to be, be about Gianna Michaels, no doubt. Um, <laughs> after last year's claustrophobic thriller, uh, Netflix Oxygen, um, Deadline reports that Aya is on board to direct the new thriller Motherland. Oscar winner Halle Berry is set to star in the psychological thriller for Arrival and Stranger Things outfit 21 Laps. Lionsgate is handling international sales at the Cannes film market. Motherland will chart the story of a mother and her twin sons who have been tormented by an evil spirit for years. Sorry, I just... I, I, I've got my... Um, 
out back I'm on the main road and I just suddenly heard like this wailing sound and it's it's sirens on the road but I thought it was something in the flat apologies for that I'm getting very distracted this evening um it will chart when one of the boys questions if the evil is real the family's sacred bond is broken and it becomes a fight for survival um with I at the helm we can expect the fight to get very intense now I was interested in that, and I still kind of am, until the point where it was questioning whether the monster is real. I I like psychological horror, but nothing annoys me quite as much um, as when you have a, a, a thriller or a horror film based around something supernatural-seeming or, or paranormal-seeming, and then you get to the end and it's like, oh, it was actually, it was all in their head. Well, actually, that that wasn't real, and actually, it's her, their psyche falling apart. Ah, oh, just bore off with that crap. I much prefer to have like a monster or something. Um, or if it's psychological, then I don't know. Just it, uh, when it becomes, it's all in their head. I instantly lose interest. That's that's just me, not for me. Uh, Blackwater is a pretty good film if you prefer crocodiles than sharks. Uh, Frank McCann says, I think I've seen Blackwater. Was that fairly recent? Was that the flooding film? That was that was pretty good actually. I still need to watch um, Alligator, which is apparently a classic '80s one. Uh, that's it's two films, Alligator and Alligator to the Next Mutation. Never seen them or even really heard of them until watching uh, the Shudder. It was on Shudder, the In Search of Darkness Part Two documentary. If you have Shudder and you have four hours to spare, the um, In Search of Darkness and also In Search of Darkness Part 2 are excellent documentaries uh, about 80s horror specifically. Um, right, that is it for the news. We're now going to get on to my week's reviews. First up, right, which picture is it? Is it that one? It's that one. We have a film called The Twin. Uh, we talked about it a week or so back as a, a new film. I'm just going to take another swig of water, my goodness. Um, oh, can I move the chat? Do I want to move the chat? Uh, well, we'll keep the chat there. It's just a poster of the film. Um, Blackwater was a 2007 Aussie film. Okay, well, I've not seen it. I'll add that to the watch list, Fran. Uh, so The Twin, it's a 2022 psychological horror film directed by Tonelli Moustonen. Uh, screenplay was written by Moustonen and um, Aleski Hiravarinen, Hira, um, uh, who also produced the film. It was scheduled for release in theatres on demand and streaming exclusively on Shudder from May 6th. Um, okay, so... The general plot of the film, straight off the bat, is that uh, a family, mother, father, and uh, twin sons, going for a drive. They get into a car crash. Um, we then find one of the twins has died in the car crash. The family move to, and it's not really clear when this is set, because you've got some very old-looking architecture. There's a bit when an old-school film camera is utilised, so you have to kind of assume it's... Um, oh, Matt White, flooding film was cruel, yes. Yeah, cruel was decent. Um, so you don't really know when the film is set, um, but they're in this kind of... They've moved to Finland from New York. There we go. 
Um, they've moved to Finland uh, from New York in order to deal with the grief of losing uh, Elliot's twin brother, Nathan, in the car accident. Um, Elliot discovers a wall that is purported to grant wishes and makes a secret wish um, where he starts talking to an invisible person. There's a, there's a moment where there's this weird ceremonial thing where the husband and wife have to stand on this giant swing that then all the, the locals are swinging back and forth. As this is happening, she notices her son, who's in the crowd, uh, disappears. He's gone missing. He gets found at this lake, this big circular lake. Um, but he then seems a bit different. He seems to now think that he's Nathan. Um, the people in the town are acting very strangely. There's instances where she starts believing she can see someone. She can see Nathan, or what's a ghost of Nathan, maybe outside uh there's a strange old lady in town who seems to know a bit more about what's going on and there's some form of potentially possession maybe at play here um a moment where she's having a she's connecting with her son she's helping her son go on the swing after their relationships come quite fraught and she starts taking pictures of him which he doesn't like he's like mummy stop taking pictures when she gets the pictures uh developed no one is on the swing so there's a lot of paranoia in this, and that's where I'll kind of stop in terms of talking about what happens in the film. Uh, a lot of paranoia. It's shot great. The landscape, the architecture. I'm, I'm a sucker for old, weird European buildings that all look a bit weird, a bit off. Um, but this film is a bit dull, to be honest, um, and it falls into a trap in the finale, which you may have got an idea of... a trope that i don't like in psychological horror earlier on i won't say too much to kind of give away how the film uh where the film works towards in its finale but it's um yeah it, it would i recommend it probably not to be honest i'd give it a five give it a five out of ten um yeah, it, for me, it just falls into those tropes of psychological horror where I rapidly, unfortunately, lose interest. Um, may not be for me, but it might be for you. Um, it stars uh, Teresa Palmer, Stephen Cree, Barbara Martin, and Tristan Ruggieri. I mean, it's a nice-looking film. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I rapidly lost interest on this one. Five out of ten. Next up, I watched this yesterday actually i think um on netflix it's been out for a little while but i thought you know what i'm i'm really struggling really struggling to find newish horror to uh to watch and rate i did notice in the fields which we've discussed a couple of times in the news that is now available for rent uh or to buy it's just to buy only which on digital is a tenner um i'm I don't, know, I don't know from the trailer if I wanted to commit to spending a tenner. You know, I've got a mortgage to pay for. <laughs> so I'll keep an eye. If it's available to rent for like 250 sure, I'll give it a watch. Um, but I'm not that hyped to spend a tenner on it. So I went to Netflix and I saw that this had been released a little while ago. Trailer seems interesting. Uh, it's The Seventh Day. It's a 2021 American horror film written and directed by Justin P. Lang. Stars Guy Pearce, um, Vadhir Derbez, Stephen Lang and Keith David. It's released on March 26th, 2021. Um, so that's quite old then. Um, so Father Peter 
is a prestigious exorcist, and he teams up with Father Daniel, a young and inexperienced priest, on his first day of work. They try to stop the demonic possession of a young boy named Charlie. Um, when performing the... Okay, right, that's just the, 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 the premise basically reveals exactly what happens in the finale, so we'll stop there. But essentially, um, Vadhir Derbez, as Father Daniel Garcia, is quite a young, inexperienced priest looking to become an exorcist. He goes under the wing of Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce is excellent in this. He's, he's, you know, he's a pretty high-quality actor. So he does a good job. Um, it's a possession film. It's kind of really all you need to know about this. Um, there's a traumatic opening where Keith David and uh, a young Peter Costello, Guy, Guy Pierce's character, are performing an exorcism on a uh, on a young boy. Uh, the young boy becomes very violent. Um, Keith David's character dies, and the boy bursts into flames, and he dies as well. So straight off the bat, you're getting quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of violence. The possessions. There's something quite cool about the possessions, um, and that is this demon seems to want to put a smile on people's faces because quite Joker-esque. But he then starts distorting and sort of tearing up the uh, up the cheeks into like a deformed smile that the people is possessing. Uh, that does look quite creepy. I'll give it that. But the 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 problem with this film, the uh, the lead um, Fatir Derbez is very wooden. Uh, it's his he is very dull in the film i've just I've got to be honest he is quite dull in the film i haven't seen him in anything else um but yeah it's not a great performance to be honest one of the things we talked about earlier on with the shark films is that it's a particular subgenre of horror that you'll have a originator an original film and then there's not that many that really reach that sort of pinnacle. Um, and that's kind of the similar with possession films. The the Exorcist, I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but I grew to find it to be one of my favourites. Uh, an excellent film. Um, oh, Matt White, we'll catch the rest of the show in the morning and catch you in the Discord. Feel better soon. Oh, thanks, Matt. Don't forget to catch up with some hairy, scary Squatch goodness. You know, I, I have picked up um, Night of the Demon. I'm Depending on what time we finish tonight, I may watch that um with uh with a whiskey actually a hot toddy is probably a good shout um but yeah catch you later on matt um see you on the podcast and the discord um but this yeah the exorcist is kind of the daddy of possession films um there's been some older possession films that are okay to be honest the last exorcism the first one not the, not the sequel which is awful uh that was actually pretty good i thought it stayed uh fairly grounded you'll need the whole bottle yeah I'd, I've got, um, I think it's called Smokehead, which is uh, an islay. Uh, it's pretty peaty, so hopefully that'll help. Um, but yeah, thank you for the good wishes. Um, and yeah, but other than that, possession films seem to range from mediocre to bad, really. Quite often it seems to be, we've got to have an exorcism. Um, actually, to be fair, The Right with Anthony Hopkins, that kind of flew under the radar, but that was okay. Um, but... Uh, Oh, Fran the Can. I thought the Excess TV show had some good plots about possession. Yeah, to be fair, it was a shame that got cancelled after two seasons. The, the first was the stronger out of the two, but it was still quite um, quite an interesting alternate look um, at uh, at possession. But a lot of them see the possession films kind of just seem to air on the fantastical and the over-the-top, whereas The Exorcist 
and and you know to a degree the the tv series as well um had quite a grounded feel to it it was you know the the, the exorcist is essentially the battle between good versus evil and also an investigation into what appears to be a murder um and could a girl be blamed for something that a devil a demon did um but yeah this the seventh day you know what it's it's decent to begin with um until it gets into the second half and it gets a little bit over the top the kid the possessed kid goes on a murder rampage which a bit silly um but it's it's a short hour and a half i'd say it's decent six out of ten worth a watch if you've not seen it i guess um i mean it's on if you've got netflix it's free on there <laughs> have at it but yeah six out of ten for the seventh day um and next up in the reviews last on the modern films modernish films um is come true now i didn't know anything really about this film i'd seen the poster in the rentals section on amazon for a little while um and then it appeared on prime on shudder i should say so i literally watched this about an hour and a half uh well probably about half an hour before starting the stream then i took my dog for a walk and then i got back here about five two to get the stream started so it's as prepared a show as they always are um but come true is a canadian science fiction horror film written and directed by anthony scott burns it stars julia sarah stone and landon liboyron uh, the plot follows a teenage runaway who takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams generally i actually quite enjoyed this and i say generally because i think they probably could have shaved five minutes off it it's not a long film it's only like an hour and 40 yeah, hour and 45 um but there's just there's a part in the middle where it does lull a bit there's a moment um where so basically as it as it says in the synopsis young girl she's a runaway doesn't really go into her backstory too much there's a part where she sort of uh she sneaks into her home to steal a sleeping bag and her mum's looking for her and her mum seems quite concerned and worried there's not really an indication that anything bad is happening at home but she's sleeping out sleeping out rough um but she can't really sleep because when she sleeps we get some of the strongest moments in this film which is this nightmare world and the only thing i can really liken it to is a darkened version of the kind of training areas i suppose of the video game control everything is quite blocky spaced out and you've got these creatures which are kind of like tall humanoids but they're very dark shadowy almost with like kind of yellowy white circular eyes they are quite creepy they're generally quite creepy and the images of those there's also an image of a hospital hallway which again everything's quite darkened it's got this uh gray hue on those scenes and kind of a light blue hue on the rest so it all feels quite cold and the color in the color um the color coding i forgot the term um it already feels quite cold and uh sleepy in those moments anyway but there's a pit there's a there's an image of a hospital hallway where something kind of like almost out of silent hill is coming down the hall it's like a a mushed up racking type thing of legs 
all just flailing around in the air. Um, those scenes are quite nightmarish. And the scenes with our lead, Julia Sarah Stone, she is quite a compelling lead. She goes to do a sleep study where she's with a few other people. They don't really know what's being studied. Um, but during one of these sessions, she has the worst anxiety, sort of panic attack she's ever had because she's gotten closer to this terrifying looking kind of creature, this terrifying being. Um, so the premise of it is very interesting. The way it's shot is, is really good. The acting in it is really good. It does start to lull off in the second half, I would say. Um, kind of, I suppose, the third act. There's a moment where she's seeing someone else is having a dream, dream moment. And it's almost like just waiting out for the background song to play out because she's just there watching. Then we're getting cuts to the guy that's asleep and cuts back to her watching. And that goes on just a little bit too long, it felt. Uh, the, the the finale of that scene where she's seeing that the guy is waking up and on these monitors that are filming their dreams, she can then see that almost through his eyes, but through his eyes there's this tall, black, shadowy figure that starts moving towards him. Those parts are all quite great. It's And this is something where I may need to look on YouTube, whatever, to see some interpretations of the film, but... Uh, the ending of it, I wasn't too big of a fan of. Um, I guess it kind of ties into something we discussed earlier on. Not to the same extent. It, it's quite a it's quite a unique reveal, but there are moments in the final five ten minutes where you're kind of going, "What the fuck is going on? What?" Uh, but not not necessarily in a bad way. To be fair. Um, but this, I mean, the, the the music, the aesthetics in it, I did really like. And it's, I, I wonder what the budget was on this film. It made 62k at the box office, which obviously isn't isn't big money, but I can't see the budget. Let's just have a quick look at IMDb. But IMDb gives it a 6 out of 10, which I think is a little unfair, personally. Um... If you don't have Shudder, it appears to be available to rent for 99p. I mean, I would say that it is worth it. Definitely. Um, let's just... Do we, do we have budget details on here? Uh, no, just the... Just, uh, just how well it did. Um, okay. But yeah, generally on the whole, it is... Uh, it's a good film. It looks nice. Um, I may have to go and blow my nose in a second, so we may get. I don't. I don't have any ads or whatnot, so I may have to. I may have to step away for like literally thirty seconds. We'll see. I do have a uh, a little video that we playing shortly. That you may just. I may just have to run when that plays, but we'll see how we do. Um, but yeah, I would. I think I would give this uh, a, a seven. I think I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. It's not a seven point five. It's a. Uh, it's not an eight. God, I don't have any tissues with me. Um, sorry, I really, I really hate being sick. Um, so hopefully it goes quick. Uh, but yeah, seven out of ten, I think. Give this a watch if you like. Good, um, dreamy, sort of uh, otherworldly, nightmarish, psychological horror. It's definitely very much of that ilk. Uh, now, we're returning to a segment. Um, God. 
<laughs> we were turning it to a segment that I did a little while ago, a few weeks back, called the uh, the Retro Review. But we're now going to call it the Full Moon Retro Review. That's because I have got a seven-day free trial, which then just goes to three ninety nine, which is a steal. The Full Moon Productions, the channel on Prime. If you don't know what Full Moon is, we reviewed a few weeks back a film called Subspecies uh, about vampires. It's really over-the-top, crazy, early 90s or late 80s maybe. Just it's madness. They are, they are they're good fun horror films. Um, so with that in mind, I thought, right, where should we start with this week's Full Moon Retro Review? And it's a film that I'm aware of, and I'm aware that there's a franchise of, but I've never seen any of them. And I thought, well, let's, let's give it a go. And the other good thing with Full Moon films, a lot of them are barely over an hour long. And with my short attention span, and sometimes short time, because, you know, people have work and whatnot, uh, it, it's perfect for that. <laughs> and that is the 2000 uh, fantasy slasher film, Killjoy. Okay. Uh, it's directed by Craig Ross, starring Angel Vargas as the demonic spirit demon entity, uh, Killjoy the Clown. Oh my god, where to start with this? <laughs> it's, it is actually a lot of fun. You can't take this film seriously. But basically the film opens with uh, two women, Monique and Jada. They're talking together when michael a nerdy kid is walking home from school and encounters them uh jada and michael are friends and michael wants to date jada but jada politely rejects him because she has a boyfriend a gangster named lorenzo and what happens lorenzo drives up with his boys and they kick the shit out of michael um michael later on he just has this doll of killjoy and he creates a little circle of candles Puts in a, a chant, a prayer, whatever, for Killjoy to help him out. He gets lured outside by one of Lorenzo's friends um, to say that they're sorry, but actually they kind of kidnap him, threaten him with a gun. Um, you know, it gets a little bit uncomfortable, but then the gun accidentally goes off. Lorenzo has killed Michael. We jump forward to a year from now, and the... Uh, the clown ice cream fan appears. Killjoy transports his various victims to his nightmare realm, which is a warehouse. And whenever they get transported there, they all land in a runner's pose, like Terminator being transported through space and time. Uh, the graphics are god awful. <laughs> graphics are shit. Uh, but this is a film from 2000 with a budget of 150k. Um. Angel Vargas as Killjoy the Clown. He is a lot of fun. Um, he's just really over the top. Really over the top. The, st <laughs> the story doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of jumps in it. It gets it, it gets explained what Killjoy is to the girls by some random homeless guy that none of them have had an interaction with who just randomly appears because he seemingly knows what's going on. I think he's an angel at the end of it. I don't know. Um... But he says you have to take his heart and also destroy the doll. It's, it's mad. It's mad. Um, it's a lot of fun, but it is mad. I'm going to give it an affectionate 4 out of 10. 
and that's that's me being kind because it does fall into the realm of it's so bad it's good i would say that <clears throat> i think that's fair um but i can't really in good conscience give it a high score uh but that is the retro review for this week killjoy um we've done the news we've done the reviews which now leads us on to uh the main event of this evening's show <laughs> Would you go on and watch a sequel to Killjoy? You know what? I would. <laughs> I would. I did have that sort of level of fun to it. Um, Killjoy, there's Killjoy 2, Killjoy 3, Killjoy Goes to Hell, and then some other one. And the IMDb reviews do get better for each film. Uh, but I think this is the only film, Killjoy is the only film with Angel Vargas in it. His role then is taken over by another actor who plays the role going forward. Um... But yeah, as we saw, our featured presentation, I was pretty pretty pleased with that. I, uh, you know, I always like that. It's it's a little bit overplayed sometimes in terms of things doing the whole grindhouse featured presentation. But you know, I finally pulled my finger out and found a uh, found a video of it because that's what I wanted as a little segue to the main show, uh, which is David Lynch. We are going to be talking about. Three of the films of David Lynch and talking about how they relate to horror. If you're not familiar with David Lynch, he's an American filmmaker, painter, visual artist, actor, musician and writer. Uh, born in January 20th, 1946. So he's 76 years old, which is, excuse me, scary because he's a visionary. But he has been, uh, he's been called the renaissance man of modern American filmmaking, uh, and his work has led him to being labelled the first populist surrealist by film critic Pauline Kael. Uh, the best way that I can kind of describe the works of David Lynch and what has kind of drew me into the fandom is surreal, otherworldly, nightmarish, um, almost, almost like a love letter to the 50s and 60s in terms of some of the characterizations um in a lot of his stuff you know twin peaks lost highway uh blue velvet you've almost got this uh kind of gangster underbelly that appears in a number of his works um unsavory characters with uh, almost kind of bikers these sort of tropes which which do kind of feature in various forms but we are going to be looking at the horror element of his work. Is he an out-and-out -out horror director? No. No, no, no. Um, he has directed a, a multitude of things. He's directed comedies. He's directed the biopics, such as uh, The Elephant Man, which is incredible. Um, then he's also done just some strange, 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 strange stuff. I mean, there's the first adaptation of June, which, I'll be honest... I haven't yet watched all the way through, not because it's especially bad, just because it's... I'm not... I, I like science fiction to a degree. I'm not a huge science fiction fan, and the story of Dune just doesn't really massively interest me. I did see the Den, um, Denis Villeneuve uh, recent Dune. It's fine. It's very long. Um, it didn't really hit me the same way that Blade Runner 
uh, I just call it Burrow Two. I can't remember the year prefix on it. Um, or the more grounded prisoners. You know, I do like his work. Um, but yeah, Doom. Just I don't think it's a story that really interests me. I will watch David Lynch's version at some point, but I don't think it's highly regarded really. Um, but he of course did Twin Peaks, which is a series I love. The first series is excellent. The second is middling. Um, essentially when David Lynch and Mark Frost stepped away. Uh, Paul Barrow, Masora, his Dune is rough. Yeah, the the bits that I've seen, I can't even remember where I got to whenever I've watched... I've, I've tried watching it twice, and I think I got to the bit where the Baron was flying around, and then he flies down, and he takes, like, a plug out of some weird guy, naked guy's chest. I thought, what the f*** is going on? Um... So yeah, I I haven't been in a rush to try and watch the whole film. Let's let's just put it that way. Um, but then his, I mean, I just we, we'll 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 focus on the particular films of his career that I've uh, earmarked, as opposed to his career as a whole, because we could be here all all day. Now, first off, is a film that of his, which is his first feature film that I only saw about a year ago, maybe. And that is the 1977 surrealist horror film. And I say horror loosely. I mean, this is probably the most horror-like of his films. But it's definitely more on the surreal side. And that is A Razorhead. Uh, it features frequent collaborator of David Lynch, Jack Nance, uh, Charlotte Stewart, Alan Joseph, Gian Bates, and Judith Roberts. Ooh, how to describe this film. This... The, tr the trouble I'm going to have is trying to describe any of these films uh, this evening. <laughs> we could be here for another 10 minutes. We could be here for another hour. Probably not an hour because I'll probably be dying on my ass by then. Um, but this is his first film. Uh, it was done with the assistance of the American Film Institute and it was filmed over quite a number of years. Um, he kept running out of money on this one, um, unfortunately. I mean, when did production start? Well, it's not giving... Okay, filming. Okay, well, that's not giving me any information. Essentially, he had to film this over a number of years. Um, and you, there's certain parts in the film where Jack Nance's character visually ages from scene to scene because there's been they'll have filmed one shot of him going to go into a room and then filmed the backup shot that him coming into the room from the other side of the door maybe a year later um he does look like a young man in earlier scenes than he does in later parts of the film um it's essentially a commentary on the fear of fatherhood fear of the unknown um I mean that woman there. I'm pretty sure she's comes comes from his radiator, um, in this weird surreal, uh, kind of song room scene. He has a girlfriend. They have a child. He's a factory worker, I believe, and they have this child. But the child is. I'll just see what my dog's doing. Uh, this child is like a. What could you describe it as like a chicken baby chicken mutant thing that just screams non-stop his wife or his girlfriend uh leaves him and he's now alone trying to raise this this baby this being there's a man in the moon i don't really know what they do um there's 
<laughs> just a lot of insane imagery in this film. Uh, and yeah, the closest thing that you can say about this in terms of what it's actually about is uh, impending and uh, and fatherhood. But it's one of the most surreal films that I've seen. Um, the horror elements really come down to the imagery. There's no attacks, no like you know deaths or anything really. I've not seen it for um, for a little while, but let, oh here we go. So Henry begins experiencing visions, again seeing the man in the planet. The man in the planet is at the very start. It is literally a man pulling levers in what looks like the moon. Yeah. Um, as well as the lady in the radiator, so that's the woman with the puffed out cheeks, um, who sings to him as she stomps upon miniature replicas of Henry's child. Um, he has a sexual encounter with a beautiful girl across the hall, and he has another vision, seeing his own head fall off, revealing a stump underneath that resembles the child's face. Uh, his head falls from the sky, landing on a street and breaking open. A boy finds it, bringing it to a pencil factory to be turned into erasers. I mean, that that is what happens in the film. It is as, as insane as it sounds. Um... He has this way of filming things where if you were just trying to describe them, as you'll probably find from this, sound absolutely bonkers. But he does it in such a way that you can't look away. Um, you kind of, you don't really know exactly what's happening, but you're along for the ride. And for me, these three films I all enjoyed. But <laughs> it's a good thing I've got Wikipedia open, because otherwise I'd be going what what happened in this film um i mean where does it even end let's remind ourselves um so da, 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 henry seeks out the beautiful girl across the room but finds her with another man he returns to his room crushed and he takes a pair of scissors and for the first time removes the child's swaddling cloths it is revealed that the child has no skin the bandages held its internal organs together and they spill out apart they spill out after the rags are cut um, the child gasps in pain. The Henry stabs its organs with the scissors. The wounds gush a thick liquid covering the child. I'll kind of stop there. I will just say this obviously sounds very horrific. The child in question is essentially a child-sized baby chicken. Really, nothing of it resembles an actual child. But yeah, I mean, I won't go further because that will kind of give away too much about what's actually happening in the film. But this is—it's all shot in black and white. It is it's bonkers, but in a strangely um sorry, my dog's doing strangely you can't look away type narrative. Uh would I recommend it if you haven't seen any David Lynch uh, or any David Lynch films? I would say yes, but I would say find his other films first. Uh, just because this is quite an attack on the senses. Um, it depends. If you're a fan of surrealism and odd, disturbing imagery, without going into the grotesque, I mean, what sounds that sounded grotesque, but it does just look weird because it is a weird little thing, um, then seek it out. But I would say maybe check out this, uh, check out one of his later films first and maybe work back to that. Which then leads us on to... Uh, 
Quite a few years later, in 1997, the neo-noir film Lost Highway. Um, oh, I've not got the chat on screen. Apologies there. There we go. The neo-noir film Lost Highway. Now, I only saw this for the first time this past weekend. I, uh, I picked up from Amazon quite a while ago two David Lynch box sets. On DVD, annoying. I'd prefer Blu-ray, but... Uh, there's one which is a collection of five films, which includes this, um, A Razor Head, Blue Velvet, Dune, and Wild at Heart, which we won't be discussing Wild at Heart, but Wild at Heart is a really good film. It's Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. It's, I mean, look, Nicolas Cage just shanks someone in the first five minutes. I think he, I think he just knifes someone. There's a fight erupts in the opening segment, and he just straight away knifes them. It's just, it, it's quite a... Quite a leap. Um, <laughs> but we won't be talking about that. We're talking about the neo-noir film Lost Highway, which is written by Lynch and Barry Gifford. It stars Bill Pullman, Patricia Arquette, Balthazar Getty, and Robert Blake. Um, okay, so <clears throat> I watched this. I, I really enjoyed it, but I, I did not really understand it. I then found a YouTube video which explained it very well and very... You know, it was an interpretation, as with all David Lynch work, you have to have your own interpretation. He doesn't spell it out for you, but his version did make a lot of sense to me. So uh, I'll try and recap that in discussing this. Um, the film follows a musician, Pullman. Um, now, when I say musician, he's a jazz saxophonist who is crazy on the saxophone. There's a bit at his club. Pat Club, he's playing with his jazz band. They're doing all the... And he's going... He's shredding the saxophone. It's not fair play. I mean, you know, who needs to do a sick two-hand tapping guitar solo when you can just shred the sax? Um, he begins receiving mysterious VHS tapes of him and his wife, played by Patricia Arquette, who is stunning in this film, Um they receive the videotapes um, where they've been filmed in their home. These are quite creepy. Uh, there's a moment where he goes to a party with his wife, um, a friend of his wife who's quite a sleazy guy called Andy. And at this party, he meets a guy called the Mysterious Man, who you might see on screen now holding a video camera. These are some of the creepiest moments in the film with the Mysterious Man. The Mysterious Man approaches him, essentially outs himself as the guy who's been filming him, and says... Hi, uh, Fred. I believe I believe uh, that's Pullman's character, Fred. Um, I'm at your house right now. Fred's like, what, what are you on about? He goes, don't believe me? And he hands him a early mobile phone. He calls the number to his house, and the man he's talking to picks up at his house, saying, yeah, I'm in your house. Can you pass the phone back now? It's very creepy. We then get quite a nightmarish image of what appears to be a maniacal Fred over his dead butchered wife, which he is arrested of for her murder. He is put onto death row because he gets the, is convicted for this, this crime. And whilst on death row, where one of the prison guards is Henry Rollins, um, singer of uh, Black Flag and also the Rollins band. Um, while he's incarcerated in his cell, um, you start seeing these weird, fantastical blue flashing lights. The guards come to his cell, and there's a different man in the cell. There you go. 
<laughs> he has disappeared and he's been replaced by a young mechanic uh, played by Balthazar Getty. Um, what's his character's name? Fred. Pete. He becomes Pete. He goes from being Fred to being a young uh, uh, mechanic called Pete. Uh, Pete is released from prison into his parents' care because... They're like, well, you're clearly not Fred. We don't know where Fred is, but we don't know who you are and how you've appeared here. And he starts being followed around. There's a uh, quite a scary gangster called Mr. Eddie, who's taken a liking to Pete. Uh, but through Mr. Eddie, Pete beats a woman called Alice, who is Patricia Arquette's, again playing, but with now white hair, who is, let's say, a bit of a femme, not, well, I wouldn't say a femme fatale, She's a very bad influence. Let's put it that way. Um, and she starts leading Fred, not Fred, Pete, down quite a dark road, to which Mr. Eddie catches wind and gives him quite a chilling phone call in which Mr. Eddie is with the mysterious man, the guy with the camcorder. So you're very much asking the question of, well, what, well obviously, what's going on here? Who is the mysterious man? Um, what does this have anything to do with Fred and his his situation. Um I mean I don't really want to go too much actually into the uh the the explanation that I saw because I do think as with any of the films in this list I'd highly recommend watching this. Um it's a film where you will generally probably not really know too much about what's going on because you know, you're you're thinking Bill Pullman's a star, but he's really only in the opening and the uh, and the the last sort of segment of the film. We're more following uh, Pete's character, but then we're asking the question: Well, how how are they connected? What's the connection? Who's real? And it's probably at that point that you maybe need to consider: Okay, am I trying to rationalise what's happening as things that could happen? You know. Has he actually transported into this person? Or is this a figment of his psyche? Um, is he trying to rationalise what he's done? Or has he been set up? Um, just checking the chat. Sorry, uh, I think the stream is a little bit laggy, but I can see last time uh, from Chill Winters. Welcome to the stream. Last time I saw David Lynch, he was giving a weather report on YouTube. Uh, what is that town east of LA? Shouldn't be snowing, but sometimes it does. I'm not too sure, but yeah, he does. I don't know if he still does them, but for a while he was doing weather reports. I haven't seen any of them, but um, I believe they're typical Lynch. Um, yeah, I, I Lost Highway. I mean, it's how best to kind of describe it. It's uh, almost a gangster type film, nefarious characters, as we've kind of seen before in Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet. Um, but then we're kind of dealing more with this this mysterious man is very creepy. There's a part where he appears from this cabin in front of Bill Pullman's character, Fred, and starts chasing him down the stairs with this video camera when you're switching between the video camera feed and Fred running away to uh, to this car. Very, very disturbing in places uh, it's not so much again an out and out horror but it's more the uh the the situation the characterizations that are quite uh quite freaky fred connection to donny uh who's donny um 
But I, I mean, the music, the, the other thing as well, it's very much a 90s, mid 90s film because I'd say more so of, um, of the music uh, when they wrote Donnie Darker. Oh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. And you wouldn't like to compare. No, they're, I mean, they're very different films. Oh, that was Frank. Frank the Rabbit, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the music, I mean, the opening has got a very late 90s um, David Bowie song, which I like early David Bowie. Um, I don't go out of my way to listen to David Bowie, but I like, you know, Aladdin Sane and uh, Spiders, of Mars, Spiders from Mars, that sort of stuff. But this is more of his late 90s stuff, which I've not really had a lot of, to be fair, but it's not for me. But then you've got Nine Inch Nails, you've got um, Smashing Pumpkins, Ramstein. It's got... If you're if you're into your sort of alternative uh, hard rock metal, soundtrack is great for this film. Um, and the nightmarish scenes where Fred's psyche is starting to play tricks on him, um, and uh, and Pete is starting to have these really quite bad headaches, which are maybe connecting to what his how he relates to to uh, to Fred. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a really good film. I'm I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. I think it's because I'd maybe read up on the synopsis first on Wikipedia and thought what what. And to be honest, when I watched the film, I enjoyed it. But again, I like with a lot of David Lynch films, I kind of thought what 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 is this about? Um, but I think it ranks up there. I mean, but this isn't a rankings list of David Lynch. I mean. I've got some clear favourites, but I wouldn't really want to say what's what's better than uh, than than anything. Oh God, wait a minute, my my desktop just suddenly freaked out. Um, hopefully, the stream is still good. Uh, hope so. My yeah, my my dashboard seems to have frozen. Let me know, obviously, in chat if everything is still streaming fine. Oh Jesus, that is that is freaking out. Right, let's just close that tab. Okay, um, good here. Oh, thank goodness. Um, thanks, Pericles. Yeah, all of a sudden the uh, the streaming uh, software I use for chat went mental. Um, we'll continue as. Uh, okay, that is very strange. Yeah, internet showing fine. Okay, well we'll continue on to our next one because we're not too far off. Finishing up the little uh, David Lynch odyssey. Right, page is unresponsive. Okay, whatever. I think I've got the pages open I need. Um, and we'll move on to Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. This is probably the the best David Lynch film I've seen, if, uh, if I'm being honest. And that is saying something, because I do really enjoy all of the stuff of his that I've seen. Again, it's a surrealist neo-noir mystery film. Uh, in terms of horror elements, there's only really one scene in particular that kind of has a horrific moment, but it's more so the surrealist weirdness of of the film and its setting, and uh, it's kind of a dark look at the underbelly of Hollywood. Um, it was originally going to be... Okay, yeah, what is going on with my internet? Well, as long as the stream's still going, that's the main thing. But yeah, uh, Chrome, maybe specifically, is uh, is freaking out. Weird. Um, 
This is a 2001 film. It uh, stars Naomi Watts, Laura Haring, Justin Theroux, Anne Miller, Mark Pellegrino, and Robert Forster. Uh, it tells the story of an aspiring actress named Betty Elms, played by Naomi Watts, who's arrived in Los Angeles. She meets and befriends an amnesiac woman recovering from a car accident. Uh, the amnesiac woman's played by um, by Haring, Laura Haring. The story follows several other vignettes and characters, including a Hollywood film director played by Justin Theroux. It was originally going to be a TV pilot, and a large portion of the film was shot in 1999 with Lynch's plan to keep it open-ended for a potential series. Uh, but it was rejected by television executives, um, so Lynch provided an ending to the project to make it a feature film. So the, what we actually get is a half-pilot, half-feature um, Lynch has never given an explanation of the his intentions for the narrative. He very much has left it for the audience critics, cast members to speculate on what really has transpired. It's quite dream based. Um, I'm going to see if I can. I don't really want to close Chrome because I've got my my notes open on it. Um, but again, it's another film where if I try to really describe what it's about and what the story is about doesn't really sound like it makes sense um but you very much are in another world of is what we're seeing real there's a moment probably one of the creepiest moments in the film where i believe it's two detectives are in a diner chatting away we then follow to behind the diner where there's what can only be described as a witch this really creepy old woman there's no real explanation for the scene, how it connects into what's going on in the story, um, or what really is going on in the story. But it's a, a look into the the darkness in Hollywood. Um, yeah, my internet's just going flipping haywire right now. So I can't really do the so much of a deep dive as uh, as intended. Um, oh, that was a good scene, but I remember the landlord. First old woman. That's oh, so. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Um, Chill Winters. The landlord is that the the small fellow from uh, the dancing man from Twin Peaks. I think that may be uh, that's on the screen at the moment. Uh, his moments are quite creepy. Uh, but really, yeah, it's just a uh, a mystery noir that is. I mean, I I'm kind of repeating myself here now because it's so difficult to try and describe. Uh, Mulholland Drive. Maybe I shouldn't have picked Mulholland Drive out of my three. Uh, but really, I mean, it's it's probably one of his best films up there. I'd say Mulholland Drive is up there with Twin Peaks for me. And I'm looking at Twin Peaks as a whole. Um, I don't have such a high value for the um, the Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me film. I may need to go back and watch that. But I think where it came out being almost a prequel slash sequel, but mainly a prequel to a series that had such a iconic cliffhanger ending and then your main characters aren't necessarily a lot of the main characters aren't in it because they didn't kind of come back or or or, or whatever um but yeah twin peaks fire walk with me doesn't I, I like it but i'm looking at twin peaks overall i would say you know season one up to the film and the third series they, along with Mulholland Drive, are kind of, for me, the pinnacles of David Lynch's work. Um, I've still not seen his last feature, which is Inland Empire. I have heard that it is very much more of the 
weird getting weird um to to kind of put it one way um let's see if i can open a new window of chrome i don't know what's going on there Right, we're jumping now to a uh, recorded segment of uh, of this evening's show. Internet Gremlins had suddenly brought down the stream. Um, I was I was kind of winding my uh, winding up the end of talking about uh, Mulholland Drive because there's a lot uh, a lot in that film to try and digest, and it's a difficult film to discuss. But um, thank you for everyone that kind of dropped by during the stream podcast listeners this is a little uh, a little bit to kind of uh, round up the uh, the audio for you guys so coming up this week uh, i believe lawrence might do some gaming during the week on uh, on the mos network twitch.tv forward slash the mos network youtube.com forward slash the mos network be sure to uh follow subscribe like all that good stuff uh and then sunday will be the ministry of slam uh main show 7 p.m as per usual uh in regards to next week's show keep an eye on the social medias youtube um the the facebook twitter discord um i'll give you guys a little hint of what we're going to be looking at a little bit closer to the time but as always, thank you for watching. Thank you, I suppose, in this instance, for listening due to the earlier aforementioned gremlins. And uh, we'll see you again.